Hello, the series you're about to hear on the GBM Media Podcast is from the Serving Today archive. It's called Moses, Lessons on Leadership. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for the leaders in the Church of Christ. I'm Andrew Cook and I'm glad to be with you again. Lessons on Leadership, the series on Moses continues. And Philip Griss tells us about another great missionary. In the series on leadership, we're moving on to the second period of Moses' life, the next 40 years. Howard Sayers joins us again here on Serving Today, and he begins by telling us what God is now doing in the life of Moses. Now that Moses has left Egypt, God is going to develop his character. Before Moses can lead God's people, he must also receive God's personal call to the work. He must learn to be meek and self-controlled. After all, his anger had got the better of him in Egypt. He must learn to be patient. It was going to take another 40 years before Moses was ready to lead God's people out of Egypt. He would have to learn to be a humble man. He was being taken from the palace, living as a prince, into the wilderness to live as a shepherd, bearing in mind the Egyptian attitude towards shepherds was not favourable. He was going to move out of the luxury of the palace to live in a shepherd's tent. He was to stop being served as a prince in Egypt and must now learn to serve others. What else do we know about Moses in this second 40-year period? It was during this period that Moses married and had two sons. And this was going to be another vital development in his life because it would teach him leadership in the family before he was fit to lead God's people. Again, what lessons can we take from God's development of Moses' character? Before I answer that question, Andrew, I wonder whether you'd like to just read Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 3, of verses 1 to 13. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Thank you, Andrew. We need to understand that the qualities required for leadership in God's sight are consistently the same in every generation. They were now being developed in Moses. It's also important to observe that proper family relationships are vitally important before we are fit to lead in the church. Now that God's preparation of his man is complete, another important step 
in Moses' role as leader of God's people is taken. So what is this very important step in Moses' role as leader of God's people that we're going to think about next? Andrew, this is possibly the most important step of all, as God calls and commissions his chosen man. Moses is being commissioned now to meet the needs of God's people. God is responding to his people's cries in their slavery in Egypt. This is not Moses' decision or Moses' demand to lead the people. It is God's gracious purpose and the call makes that clear. Neither is anything to be for Moses' benefit, but everything is to be for the glory of God in the deliverance and salvation of his people. What does God's call and commission actually involve? When God calls his servants, we need to note one or two things in particular. It is all part of God's covenant purpose. It is all under God's sovereign control and is not the manipulation of men. Usually it is accompanied by God's promises. Here, for example, with Moses, we learn that God will not leave his servant, but his servant must step out in faith, trusting in him. For Moses, the call and the commission was accompanied by authenticating signs, which were given to him at the remarkable scene at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. As yet, scripture had not been given, so God gave Moses signs which would prove his call and claim to be genuine when he came to stand before Pharaoh and the Israelites. Howard, when God calls leaders today, should they expect direct speech or special events like the burning bush in Exodus 3? We have to be careful here because God is sovereign, as I have just said. However, today we have the same principles at work. God clearly equips and calls his servants. And while we may not have a literal burning bush experience, God has given us the means to test our call. And if we are calling a pastor or a teacher as a church, the means to test that individual's call in the scriptures. Thank you, Howard. What's the final aspect of this middle period of Moses' life? Moses responds to God's call to him. The first thing to notice is a complete absence of pride. Moses has learnt his lessons well. He is now humble as he hides his face from God. There is some reluctance, a genuine reluctance, in him to go and serve the Lord. He is filled with fear in the presence of God and is conscious of his personal inadequacy. So again, Howard, the question that we've been asking throughout this series so far on Moses, what are the implications for leaders? When we face the challenges of the Christian ministry and leadership in the Church of Christ, we should really feel a sense of our personal inadequacy and complete dependence on the Lord. 
how would you then conclude or summarise this first 80-year period of Moses' life that we've been thinking about over the last few programmes? Firstly, that God's man will be sent in God's way and God's time. Secondly, God's man is equipped and will be equipped according to God's plan and as found in Scripture. Finally, God will himself call the man. The man does not put himself into the work. Thank you once again, Howard, and we look forward to hearing about the final 40 years of Moses' life. In our series here on Serving Today about important figures from church history, we're joined again by Philip Grist. It's good to have you with us again. Who are you going to tell us about this time? Well, to all her friends, Evelyn Brand was affectionately known as Granny Brand. Apart from the fact she had a son, well known in Christian circles, Dr Paul Brand, pioneer surgeon on the hands of leprosy sufferers, Granny is not well known beyond India. She sailed for India in 1911 and, apart from furloughs, remained in India for 63 years. What was her reputation as an individual? Evelyn Brand was a very outspoken lady. Maybe the word stubborn describes her. Her mind, once made up, would not be changed. And what was her family background? She was number nine of 11 children. Evie, as she was known, was brought up in a God-fearing family. From a child, she was artistic and appreciated everything beautiful. The age of 11, she professed Jesus Christ as her saviour, whom she loved dearly. She gave all that she had, spurned a comfortable lifestyle and gave material help to all in need. Her son Paul, years later, said to his children, What do we give Granny for Christmas? She'll only give it away. That describes Evelyn Brand's life. What made her decide to serve as a missionary? Well, she became convinced of the call of God to India while visiting a married sister in Australia. Later, a young missionary came to speak at her church in England. His description of India's needs were graphic, especially his vision for a small hill range in South India known as the Collie Hills. Little did she realise that this young man, Jesse Brand, would be her future husband. Granny Brand's heart yearned for the women and children of the Collie Hills. But one particular obstacle stood in her path. The difficult Tamil language. Evie climbed that mountain and conquered the language. Jessie went to the Collies early in 1913, and after their marriage in the August, she went with him. It was a hard climb of seven miles, and from the outset, Evie was convinced that life would be fraught with hardships. Jessie had already had a small wooden house built, which stood on stone posts two feet above the ground. It's still there, a hundred years later. What was the response to the ministry at that time? 
The first convert, a thin, raggedly dressed man, trusted Jesus as he lay dying and whispered a prayer, Lord, forgive my sins. Make me your child. In 1928, Jesse and Evie stood on a high crest of the hills, overlooking four mountain ranges. Jesse commented, Before we die, we must go to these ranges and take the saving message of Christ. Little realizing that within a few months, he would receive his call to eternal rest. Jesse died from Blackwater fever. How did Evie Brand react to the loss of her husband? Evie was stunned, but prayed, Lord, if by his death more people can be saved than through his life, let it be even so. From all over the hills, the people flocked to his funeral. And next time, we'll hear what happened to Evie Brand after the death of her husband. Until then, here on Serving Today, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God sustain all the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk or find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. You can also search our back catalogue from our webpage www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.